G'day, Ben here. Welcome to Virtual Man Cave Podcast, episode 12 of season one, our finale, as we take a not-so-deep dive into life as a man of faith in Jesus. As we wrap things up for season one, I just want to give a massive shout out to everyone who has listened, everyone who has interacted on the Facebook page, everyone who has sent me text messages and emails and generally chatted and encouraged me with this endeavor. It's been great hearing your feedback. It's been great hearing the positive comments. Thank you to all of those who have been a part of the podcast. Thank you so much to all of those who have agreed to be interviewed, those who have been part of segments. It has been a brilliant journey so far. And a special shout out to Justin Willis. He was the guy we interviewed in episode two. It was actually him and his connect group, the boys in his shed connect group, who actually talked about the idea of a men's podcast and Justin actually threw this idea around with me and it was one of the many voices that helped spark me to do something about it and so Virtual Man Cave podcast has Justin Willis and his connect group to thank as well as the Virtual Man Cave community so thanks so much. Please welcome to the podcast, David Gould. How are you going, David? I'm really well, thanks, Ben. That's fantastic. Thanks for being on. I know you're an avid listener and, and you're also on the Facebook page a fair bit. So thank you for supporting your son's endeavours. Uh, tell us, how old are you? I am 67. I'll be 68 this coming August. Wow. And how long have you been married? I've been married 41 years. Wow, 41 years. 41. I, I just thought it would be, you know, fitting to have someone, an elder statesman uh, on the podcast. We haven't interviewed anyone who is a granddad who has been married for this length of time. So the wisdom's just going to flow here. Married to the, the wonderful Deborah, who is also my mother, which is a good thing. Uh, two kids. How old are they? Uh, ben, you are 41. I will be soon. Well, it will be soon, yeah. <laughs> well, we're talking a, a yeah. couple of weeks. And, yeah. of course, Thomas is 39. Yeah, he'll be 40 next year, which is yeah. exciting. And you were telling me that you've you've always had a faith in God and, and your parents kind of, you were brought up in church. Um, what was that like? Yeah, look, we were uh, we were brought up in the church. Dad was heavily involved in the church. Yeah. So right from when I can remember, we went to church every Sunday, went to Sunday school, and of course in those days we went in the afternoon, on a Sunday afternoon, which the parents absolutely loved because wow. they could get rid of their kids. <laughs> but Dad was a church secretary, and in fact, yeah. uh, during quite a long period during the church when we didn't have a minister, he actually got special uh, permission to do uh, weddings, funerals, and no conduct way. services. So yeah, we were heavily involved. I was in the boys' brigade, yeah, and was in the boys' brigade until I was seventeen, in fact. And so, even though uh, you, you're not currently a attending a church, you you still have a faith. You still spend time in in God's presence and connect with Him on a regular basis. Yes, I do. Yeah, we we don't attend church at the moment, but I, I do have a faith. I, I believe there is a God, and um, I can. Quite often, um, if I run into any problems or 
things that I really need to give some thought to, I'll, I'll sit and I'll, I'll chat. I always pray, I call it praying, we all call it praying, but I, I like to just have a chat and just listen and talk to him. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great way to look at prayer is, mm. is conversation with God. Tell us about your career your careers over the over the the years what what have what have you kind of done with yourself well i was when i was 20 i decided to join the police force in england mm. i i joined the metropolitan police in london in 1972 and i served two years there and then i transferred up to the west mercia constabulary which was an area where worcester was and of course worcester is where you were born yeah and I stayed there for six and a half years, and then we moved out to Australia. So when we moved out to Australia, I again joined the police force in Western Australia and served in Perth's Kalgoorlie Boulder. And when I left, I'd done six, a total of 16 and 16 a half years. years. Well, that took us, yeah, took us to Kalgoorlie and to yeah. some interesting experiences in that town. You and mum also ran a, a group home, a hostel for... For kids doing it tough, not having a stable uh, place to live, and so it was temporary lodging for them. And then a little bit later, for kind of teenagers who had done the wrong thing, it was a bit of a like a juvie detention centre. And you guys ran that. And then what happened after that when we came back to Perth? Well, after we'd run the uh, two um, places up there, we came back to Perth and brought a children's bookshop. Wow. It was something that we'd always wanted to do. It probably wasn't that time that we wanted to do it, but the the situation arose and a couple of things sort of fell into place. So we bought this bookshop and, Mm. you know, we made no money out of that bookshop. (laughs) Absolutely none. But during that period, interestingly enough, um, we talked about the church earlier, we we got involved in Club J. Club J at Shiloh Faith Centre with Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson and we we got a bus. We ran a bus through Balga, picked the kids up, ran competitions on the bus on the way to Club J, and we, we got some tough kids into the church during that time. Wow. And although we made no money in our bookshop, we just thoroughly enjoyed that time wow. because we were just so heavily involved in that uh, whole Ministry. business of yeah. uh, trying to minister to those young kids who were doing it tough in yeah. those areas. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, there's a bit of a theme here with with you and mum and and kind of just loving on kids and trying to help kids who are in you know not so great situations. Obviously, the last twenty uh, odd years of your your working life, you've been driving buses. I have. I started with when the government uh, decided to go private with the bus services in Perth. They tended out and there was four companies took it up and I joined one of those companies. I joined them from day one and I've been with them ever since. I'm only one of three drivers left at Morley Depot. Far out. In fact, one of three drivers in Path Transit left It started right from day one. No way. Well, that that's one thing I, I, I love about you, Dad, is you're faithful to a fault and, and uh, you'll commit to something and, and unless there's a really good reason uh, to walk away, you won't. And so you're about to uh, start a new season of, of job sharing uh, as you head towards retirement. And that obviously opens up opportunities for you to be able to spend more time uh, doing other things, including spending time with your grandkids. That's right. Yeah. So I'm going to be job sharing with another guy from work and I'm going to be basically doing one week on, one week off. And that's the beauty of this job, um, the bus driving, is that uh, you can just 
slowly bring the amount of time you work down. Awesome. So that'll be good. Well, let's go back. Uh, describe your relationship growing up with your dad. Well, my dad. Uh, well, I, I, I love this guy. Um, <laughs> I was born in 1952, so I was only seven years after the end of the Second World War. Yeah. Dad had been born in 1915 and had been conscripted to into the army during the Second World War. Yeah. And was a signaller with the 8th Army. Now, what the interesting point here with Ben is, I'd just like to bring up, is that it's very fortunate that we're sitting here today talking because Dad applied, the first job Dad applied for in the war was the rear gunner in a bomber. And the average life of a rear gunner in a bomber during the Second World War was six weeks. Unfortunately, or fortunately, yeah, for way for us. Have a look, <laughs> is his eyesight was not crash hot, oh, so wow. that he, he got knocked back on that. But he became a signaler. He went out to North Africa and entered Rome on D-Day, 1944, June 6, 1944. Um, so, yeah, as far as my relationship... Um, I really got on well with my dad. I, I just loved him. Of course, in those days, we the difference between then and now, the kids have got, as well as their parents, they've got a lot of gadgets that they can go to, yeah. a lot of the things, other things they can do. Yeah. I suppose in my young days, um, we didn't have that. We didn't have a TV until I was eight. Hmm. My first TV, you eight had, years old. How many brothers and sisters do you have? had three sisters, all older, and a brother. Now, the first sister, Carol, was born before, uh, in fact, at the beginning of the war. So yeah, okay. by the time I was eight and my younger brother was five, she was married. And so she moved away from home fairly early on. So yeah. we just left the other four of us. But we didn't have other things to do so much. We, we had to make our own amusement. Yeah. And so mum and dad put a lot of effort into us. Hmm. Uh, they, they would play with us. They would take us out for day trips. Things were tight in those days, so we didn't get away on holiday much. We'd go away for just days through the church. The church would often run day trips down to the seaside. Yeah, okay. And we'd just go off for the day, very long day, up at five in the morning, not back till about 11 at night. Yeah, wow. And uh, so, yeah, I, I my memory of Dad is just that he spent so much time with us. Huh. I haven't got a lot of bad... In fact, I've got no bad memories of Dad. I only ever challenged him once when I was 17. Um, I challenged Dad. That was over very quickly. <laughs> and, and I accepted that I shouldn't have done it. And yeah. uh, he um, put it down very quickly and we moved on. Um, so he, so wasn't, was he, he wasn't a strict authoritarian? He, 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 he was fairly strict, but he worked very long hours. So we, he would not get home till seven o'clock at night. So we, because he worked in London, had a lot of travelling to do. Hmm. So we would be in bed often yeah. uh, before he came in. But whenever he came in, he always came into us. Yeah. He always came in to say goodnight, Christmas yeah. goodnight. Yeah. Um, so and then when he wasn't working, he was prioritising time. He, to, he to was, spend yeah. With we would go out for... Dad, Mum and Dad never drove... They never, did they have they their licenses? They never had a license. No so way. So we, we grew up with parents and we did not have, we never owned a car. So we would go out for long walks. Uh, we would go to the park. We walked a lot. That's incredible. That's a, it's a different world. It's just to even think, think about a life like that where you don't have a car. That's um, right. And so obviously your dad has informed you as a father, but... 
did you always want to be a dad and and was it was that desire always there and how did you uh, adjust to life once you became a dad well when your mum and I married all we wanted to do was have children really there, there was no <laughs> if buts or maybes wow. that's what we wanted to do we want we, we got married we wanted children we wanted a family yeah and it's interesting because mum and I've often talked about it and wondered what it was like what it would be like for people to have no children and there are so many people who decide not to have yep. children but uh, we we just saw that we were going to marry and very very quickly we had you and then Tom yeah. and yeah I I feel really privileged to to be a dad I think it's a I think it's a great responsibility I think it's something that needs to be taken very seriously and when you think about what you need to drive a car you need a license yeah you need a license to get married you need a passport you need a visa you need a gun license everything you don't need a license to become a father and but that's the most important role and it is way, one of the it? most important roles that men have yeah. in this world and unfortunately and sadly when you look around there are a lot of men that cannot fulfill those roles and there's a lot of suffering from children from yeah. um, partners yeah but it, it is a role that I just took on and I wanted to take on and I embraced it. So you just threw yourself into it. You didn't, you didn't kind of go, oh, I don't know if I want this once it started happening. You just... No regret. At no stage yeah. did I have any regret about being a dad. There wasn't a lot of adjustment either because we, we, cause we started straight away. Uh, we just went into it and, and whether you could say you're natural or what, I'm not really sure, but uh, we, I just embraced it and uh, put everything into it. I mean, obviously there was ups and downs yeah. and, you know, difficult times. Well, speaking of that, what, what, what have been some of the, the biggest challenges for you as a dad? Well, t- the, cha- the challenges is um, when you're working is mixing parenting with your work yep. and making sure that you don't fall into the trap of saying oh I need to get home and just have some time to myself because when you're taking on that role of a father you you've got to put your kids first I think you've got to put your kids first and then put yourself second right. and a couple at first short while I was coming home from work and I was insisting I watched the six o'clock news it was before we had all the gadgets so I would come home and after a while I thought about it and I thought I'm I, I'm gonna stop doing this Hmm. I'm going to stop putting my wants first. Well. And so I gave that away. And I realised that when I came in, I had to make contact with you and Tom and to see how you... However my day had been, yeah. I needed to see how you guys were going. That's that's great. It's it's I've heard it a lot, you know, for guys who work, work long hours, is we want to give our family our best, not our worst. And so yeah. th- there's something that we can do when we finish work to kind of put a full stop on that work day and then reset so that when we're walking through the door back in with our family there is that sense of life and and because our you know our family love us and they, our family need us and they need the life that we bring yeah. uh, into their into their worlds i mean at no stage do I, have i ever regretted being a dad and and i find it, it really difficult to understand how men can walk away I, I know there's a lot of circumstances yeah. and different circumstances yeah. come up in families for sure but I wouldn't could never imagine I could ever walk away from you and Tom yeah yeah. yeah well. I, it, it, I just wouldn't be able to do it well I, I you know for me personally when we, we were married for six years before we had Harry 
And for me, that transition was was quite a big transition. And I did realise how selfish I was. And kind of along the lines of what you were saying with the watching the six o'clock news, there were things that I had set up in my world that I, you know, creature comforts and, and things that were feeding me that I that I, I really wrestled with to let go of. Um, and so every every kid that's come since then, and, and I've got three, there's been that another level of letting things go yeah. and and laying things down and putting the the family and the kids first. So I think that's a great a great thought. What have been your your greatest accomplishments well, as a dad? Well, let's just go to the greatest challenge you mentioned before. The greatest okay. challenge. Now, yeah. the, the, for me, the greatest challenge was leaving the UK. We're two small children and started a new life on the other side of the world. Yeah. I mean, that was that was massive. I mean, the plane journey over here with you and Tom was a was a nightmare, an absolute nightmare. <laughs> uh, we had no help from the staff on the plane, and it was. We landed in Australia, and I thought, "What on earth are we doing? What have we done?" And so you made that decision. We made that come, decision to come to Australia to leave all of your family, everything you've known, yep. for basically for us. For, well, for, for, for new life. We, we were in a little bit of a rut in, in the UK and we weren't really going very far with what we were doing in our work. Okay. And Deb, of course, your mum had two sisters out here and so she'd spoken to them and we came out and we, we had that support. So we did have family out here. But that, that was, it was a massive challenge and it took 18 months really for us to settle until I was able to join the police force again okay. and settle in and really start to make it work. Yeah, well, and I know of so many people who have, who have immigrated from, from England, from New Zealand, from South Africa, and they don't have a lot of support here. And, and there's, there's the work scenario, there's the family scenario, there's the support scenario. Obviously, you guys had mum's sisters here, but it, it must have been a, a, a quite a challenging time to adjust to uh, you know, raising a young family, pretty much on your own. Well, it it was, and uh, I mean, the other regret I had when we left was uh, after a while, and it took me probably a few years to realise in Australia that I'd taken uh, two grandchildren away from my parents, and yeah, okay, and not realising at the time that that you were only ever going to see them, I think, four times, four times until they passed away. Passed away. Yeah, wow. But um, yeah, look, it, it it was a massive challenge. We'll be back with the second half of this great interview very soon. Andy's on fire segment for this week. We're talking recent hits with Andy. Hey, mate. Yeah, hey. How are you? Good, man. We're not talking recent music hits, although I'm sure you're very talented on a guitar or singing. We are talking recent hits with meat and fire and we've had some great ones over the last few weeks what have you got for us this week i think we're moving in a different direction in terms of the type of meat yes so it's a new one this week we've had the chickens we've had the beef and now we're going to finish off with the uh the pork oh yeah oh yeah you gotta love a piece of bit of pulled pork you're talking you are speaking my language brother Paul Pork is probably one of the, it's one of my favourites. Yeah. It's just, you can't beat a pulled Pork sandwich, especially mate, with the crackling. Mate, I just think pigs are, you know, are heavenly creatures. 
<laughs> you think about what you can get from a, a pig, mate. It is unbelievable. And so pulled pork, what kind of cut are you are you looking at? So it's pork pork shoulder with a yep. bone in it. Yep. You've got to cook it with the bone in it because really? just, yeah, you get a lot tender meat and a lot of tastier meat. Okay. With the uh with the shoulder. It works both ways. So you can have it without the shoulder, without the bone. Yeah. Uh, I know like uh, some of the supermarkets, they only sell it without the bone in. Yeah. The rolled shoulder, they're just as good. And that, and that's what I've done. I've never, I've never done one with a, um, with a bone. So I, I, I look forward to doing that. There's nothing better than when you cooked a good piece of a uh, good uh, pulled pork and you can just literally pull the bone out. Oh, sensational. So what's your secret? So in the US, it's called the Boston butt. Yep. Um, but basically, it's a really simple way of doing it. You you put the you get your 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 piece of meat, your lump of meat, and you you cook it fat side up. That's mm-hmm. the way I do it. Yep. Uh, after you've taken the skin off it, because that's the crackling that's got to be. That's a whole other. <laughs> Um, and then you, you you put your dry rub on it, and you put it in into your into your uh, your cooker, your smoker, and then just cook it and cook it for a long time uh, until until the internal temp's about ninety six centigrade Celsius. Yep. Okay. Um, and then you just pulls apart. It's great. But you, you can, towards the end of the cook, you can, there's, there's people that, that baste it in their barbecue sauce so it gets this bit of a crust on it. Yep, yep. That's also very good, depending on what you want to go for. But, um, yes, it's amazing. Cook and what it about, for a, yep. and about 100 and t- between 107 and 121 cel- um, Celsius. Okay. Oh, I go a bit, bit high. I go about 160 for about five hours. What about oh, yeah. a rub? What about a rub? Do you do a like a paprika based, you know, salt rub on the yeah? You've got the onion powder, garlic powder. Yeah. Um, you've got paprika, a bit of chili if you like that. Yep. Yep. To make it a bit more spicy. Um, Mustard powder. Yeah. All sorts. Just yeah, absolutely. And then the, and then you've got the. Um, uh the 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 barbecue sauce the brown sugar and tomato sauce um like a passata yeah um, yeah and you can put your worcestershire sauce in there as come well on, and you, come you on. bring it to the boil and, My and then just bake it with a mop that sounds yeah. that sounds incredible mate well beer can chicken beef ribs chicken wings beef brisket boston butt pork shoulder we are coming over to your house for dinner (laughs) thanks so much mate no worries stay safe the other challenge was as we as you grew up as you grew up and more technology came into our lives and like walkmans and and exactly and you vhs you had a lot more it was and it might seem a bit of a strange thing to say was to for me to remain relevant yeah okay in your life as you grew up with the new technology that's a challenge for me today and i'm sure that's a challenge for young dads out there who uh where technology has just gone to another level and at times i i'm i'm dismissive of some of the things that my kids are into and i uh, i think that's a great reminder for us to continue to stay relevant 
with them. Uh, let's go to your accomplishments. What are your greatest accomplishments as a dad? Oh, probably easier to answer. To parent two boys through the younger years and teenage years and then see them become adult is a very challenging and world and is a great achievement. Was I the best dad? Probably not. Um, did I get everything right? No. Could I have done better? Yes. However, I must have done something right. It's a mixture of happiness and relief that your kids emerge as adults without yeah. too many life's cuts and scratches. Yeah. So it's it's a it's it's a bit of a stumble through, but you, you you just hope that your kids come out the other side and that they don't descend into a uh, a world that you don't want to know or don't want to be part of. Yeah, and and that's a you know something that we all want. We all want our kids to to uh, live a life that makes a difference, that is fulfilling and has a sense of success in it. And so I think you guys, you and mum have done a lot right. Uh, you modelled how to live. You modelled how to treat each other in relationship. And so you guys in your marriage have, have been great inspirations for Karen and myself and I'm sure Tom and Gina as well. There were obviously it's quite a few transition moments in, in your fathering. Um, and so what, what were some of those tr key transition moments where the relationship for you and, and us changed? Really, the going from uh, younger years to teenage years. Okay. Because with, with children, as a parent, without coming across as you're, you're, you're being um, really, really strict, you actually talk at your kids to a certain extent. You're, you're trying to give them, um, teach direction. them things, yeah. give them direction. Yeah. And you really don't expect too much comeback from that. And yeah. you, you normally don't get it because... They will just often, hopefully, they will accept it. And I think in your cases, you did. When you get to the teenage years, you can't talk at your kids anymore. No. You have to talk with them because yeah. you have to start negotiating. Yeah. And as a father, you have to accept that you can't just be the disciplinarian. Yeah. You have to start negotiating because they are now of an age where they can form an argument yep. and quite a relevant argument. Yep about things that you decide you want to do them yeah. to do. Yeah. And so you can't just say, no, you've got to do it, because if you do that, you're going to have problems. I mean, I, we, of course, only had you and Tom, and so I've, I've not fathered a girl, so I would imagine it would be <laughs> quite different Some other challenges. with yeah. boys and girls as teenagers, and you're going to have this coming through now. You you see it on on TV shows and everything. You try and start telling a fourteen or fifteen year old girl or boy that they can't do something, and what's going to happen? They're going to do it. Yeah. So as dads, I think you and want, I did. <laughs> as dads, I think you've got to sit down at that age and start talking and negotiating and listening. Yes, that's great. And listening, you've Very got good. to listen, because if you just say no. Um, and they do it, you, you've achieved nothing. Yeah. You've achieved nothing. If, if you negotiate and talk to them and explain why you're concerned about something they've asked to do. So the, the 15, 16-year-old girl wants to go to her first party. She wants to go to her first party and you say, no, you're not going. It's probably 12 now, Dad. Yeah, it's probably 12. <laughs> but the first serious party, yeah, yeah, you yeah. say, no, you're not going. That's not going to work. You've got to sit down with her and say, look, 
Darling, um, why do you want to go? Why do you want to go? Yeah. These are the reasons I would prefer you not to go. Tell me, can we come to some? Can we work this out? Yeah. You know, how about if I let you go, um, that I ring the parents of the person's house? Yeah. I'd like to speak to them. Yep. Let's set a time when you can be in. Yeah. So put some parameters around it, some boundaries around it. So you, you've got to sit and you've got to talk, and that would be for boys as well. Yeah. And so I, look for me. I think a big transition in our relationship was when I got married. And so I remember the, the, when we said goodbye on our wedding day, when everyone's around, you know, in a circle around the dance floor and we're all saying goodbye and obviously you guys and Karen's parents are last. And so I remember we hugged and we both just broke down and we, we bawled in each other's arms. And I think something shifted there in terms of our relationship. And we went from you know, you coaching and you mentoring and you leading and guiding me to this to this friendship thing. And not to say that I don't ask for your advice, you know, now and, and ha- have since. I, I always appreciate and respect your mum's advice. But there was that sense of um, something shifting and something shifting in a really positive way. So I don't know whether that resonates for you as well, but that was something that was quite a special time for me. Yeah. When your your son gets married, you realise that a he's leaving home, hmm. and that uh, you and your partner have got to start sharing him with his new wife. Hmm. So Karen comes into the picture here, and we're we're sharing you now. Hmm. Um, she will probably say she's got you all to herself, and she doesn't want to share with us. But no, seriously, um, so. Yeah, there was that, and and that realization that you've had, you've actually reached a certain mm. point in your life where you're now going out into the world and standing on completely on your own two feet, uh, without us being there, yeah. right there for you to fall back on. Yeah, and I guess that that's where you come back to the teenage years and what you were talking about with negotiation. Is that it's in those t- teenage years where you where you're coaching and you're basically giving your kids uh, more freedom and you're allowing them to make decisions and you're allowing them to fail and get back up and not just mo- mollycoddling them because eventually you want them to be at a place when they get married when they when they leave your house that they you're confident that they're gonna they got a, a decent uh, view of life and are able to make more good decisions. Yeah. than bad decisions um, and another transition I guess is when when you become become grandparents and so you are a grandfather you've how many grandkids do you have six six grandkids how old are they oh now we go from Amy Amy is 13 yeah Harry is 11 going on 12 yeah Jack is 11 yeah Beth is 10 nine nine should be 10 this year but you're should right should be 10 this year okay yeah. soon Charlie is eight and Lucy is four. Four. So you've got six grandies, three, three girls, three boys. It couldn't have worked it's out. Perfect. It's perfect. Absolutely perfect. It's perfect. How is how is being a granddad different to being a dad? <laughs> the difference. Well, first of all, becoming a granddad is, is just pure joy. It's it's just amazing. And what you see there is the culmination of your efforts as a dad, as a dad, and where your kids have arrived in life. Yes. So my great joy is to watch you guys 
mature and grow as dads. Hmm. So that's that's one of the big things for me as as a as a grandfather. I I love my six grandkids. Absolutely love them and adore them. But my two sons, you and Tom, and my pride and joy, hmm. a good pride. Um, and I just love to watch you guys, how you father, see what traits you've picked up from me, <laughs> and also what you do differently. Yeah. And that whole thing about you stepping out and being by yourself um, and stand on your own two feet, you will have different ideas. You, you will say, yeah, we do, I do some things like that, but I'm, I'm going to do some things differently. And, and that's fantastic. Because what you want your kids to do, you don't want your kids just to be little clones of you. You want your kids to be... Different. Different. Yeah. And unique and, and, and have those traits mm. of your, yours and mum's coming through. But essentially, uh, forge a different path. And so I, I love seeing you with, the, with my kids. And I love how invested you are. You've always been invested in Tom and my life and, and we had so much fun growing up and, mm. and the, the thoughtfulness in, in you and mum in terms of holidays, in terms of games and, and planning and things we did at the same time as you gave us freedom to make choices. I really respect that and admire that and thank you for that. Um, well, one of the other, let me just say one of the other differences between being a dad and a granddad is that as a granddad, you need to step back and let your son's parent. Yeah, okay. There may be things you disagree with, but also as a granddad, and this is, can be tough, you have to hold your tongue. <laughs> your role is different, which brings me on to what I love about being a granddad. So you, Rob Spitcher, if you're listening, mate, you're about to become a granddad, take that in, hold your tongue. Hold your tongue and let, let your children parent. Hmm. And the other thing I was going to say, the, one of the fantastic things about being a granddad is you can give the kids back <laughs> when you've looked after them. A good grandfather, a good grandfather loves and spoils the grandkids and leaves the raising to their mothers and fathers. Wow, that's great. That's so good. Are there, are there any other, like in summarising everything we've talked about, uh, what are kind of three, three things that you'd like to leave us with today? Well, the first thing is just to to all the dads out there and all, all the young guys that might be listening and are thinking of becoming dads, embrace the role of being a father mm. and embrace it through good and bad times because you will get good and bad times. Everything won't go to plan. Yeah. And there will be times when you get angry. There may be times when you wonder what you're doing being a dad, but just fully embrace it. Embrace right. it. Yeah. The other thing is to accept that you're never going to get it right all the time. It's a learning curve. Yeah. As I said earlier, you don't need a license or anything to become a dad. So it really is um, just going with your, your good times and your bad times. Make the mistakes. Make the mistakes. Put them right if you can. Yeah. And which brings me on just one little thing is, is sometimes you, you might have to say sorry to your kids. Yeah. That's hard. That's yeah. hard to... to to back down and have to say sorry to your kids at some stage. Yeah. And love un unconditionally. You might not always like what your kids do, even when they're at home with you or when they're married, but be there for them through thick and thin. It's, it's, it's just, you've got to be, un it's got to be unconditional. The love's got to be unconditional. Yeah. And you, you can't dictate 
to your kids, especially when they're married. You can't dictate what they're going to do with their own, with your grandchildren. You, but just love them. Be there for them. Be, know that. Let them know that they can call you any time, any time you like, and you'll always be there to support them. And I know that you, you know, firsthand that that's that's how you've lived your life as a dad and as a granddad. You've always been there, unconditional love and support through my good times and my bad times when I've stuffed up, when I've gone against your advice, you uh, continue to love and support us. And so thank you so much, Dad, for what you've done for me. I love you heaps. And also thank you for your time and for sharing your incredible wisdom on the Virtual Man Cave podcast. We are back with IP Crowd for this week. TCPIP or Transmission Control Protocol slash IP protocol is what's used for the uh, uh, how computers talk to each other across the internet. Resident Apple man Joel Sinek, hey mate. Hey, hey. Resident Android man Adrian Vermeulen, hey mate. Hey, back again. We have, uh, in the last few weeks, we have been staunchly in our own camps fighting till the death as to why we think Apple's better, why we think Android's better. What we're going to do today, we're just going to flip it. And I'm, there's a lot of mutual respect. There's a lot of mutual love, I feel, uh, right now between you two. And I know that, that there's lots of things that Joel appreciates about Microsoft and Bill Gates. And there's things that Adrian appreciates about Apple and Steve Jobs. And so I'm going to give you both 30 seconds to let the listeners know what you actually appreciate and respect about the opposing party. Go for it, Joel. Well, Bill Gates is, uh, yeah, incredible inspiration. He, um, you know, started something from his garage, like most people did in those days. But uh, he is a full-on learner. And I watched the documentary on him and how much he just continues to learn about everything, about all sorts of things. He's just uh, continually trying to better uh, himself and, and the world around us and his company, uh, which, you know, he's no longer CEO. Um, uh, but, yeah, he is yeah incredible learner and how he just tries to contribute to society. He's got his um, his foundation and, and how he continu- continues to try and help people out with his uh, uh, in- intellect and yeah. his knowledge. He actually uses it to better people. And so I really admire that. Fantastic. A lot of Christian love being shown right now. We, we can oh, see our enemies and we can see them the way Christ sees them, you know? Adrian, <laughs> Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, look, he is definitely an inspiration um, to the Toltec world in the way that he brought technology to, made it accessible to everyone. Mm. So he made, he started iPads. And that tablet form factor, there are a few different people that tried to get in the market. It didn't work. It wasn't until Apple did iPads that that sort of form factor hit the market and actually went mainstream. Mm. Same with iPhones. He was the first ones out with their um, having that form factor. Um, so definitely a lot of respect for um, Steve Jobs and what they're doing to be able to bring technology into the mainstream. Um, and one thing that I really like about him is when I was 
reading his um, autobiography, not autobiography, just his biography. Um, he said that, you know, he pays a lot of attention to the design of inside and out. So it needs to look good on the outside. And also he wants the inside of the, of the devices looking good, all neat, all tidy, well laid out. Um, so there'd be times where a circuit board will come out and he'd say, no, scrap the whole thing, it has to be redesigned because it needs to look neat. And the developers are going, but who cares? It's on the inside. And his philosophy was always, no, nah, it has to be done properly inside and out. So, um, and I really admire that about the guy as well. Well, that is some wisdom well, just uh, being dropped right now. That'll preach. That is some uh, wisdom yeah. for life. It not only inside matters. Inside and out. Yeah, it not only matters what the outside looks like, it matters what the inside looks like. And we're just going to leave it there. IP crowd for season one, done and dusted. Thanks so much, Joel. Thanks so much, Adrian, for joining us on this journey. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Song intros of the decade for this week with Trent Williams, professional musician. Hey, Trent. Hey, Ben. We are wending our way towards the most current decades we are currently in the 80s this week i love 80s music yeah yeah me too yeah I grew up with a lot of 80s music yeah so we're gonna hit a couple of song intros that i'm sure the listeners are gonna find familiar and so why don't you hit us with the first one all right straight into it That is a very recognizable intro, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you would have you heard the first chord, the A, and it's pretty it's kind of nothing really by itself, but then that mm. um yeah, you know, he's, he's, he's done a good one there. Johnny Cougar Mellencamp. Um yeah, no, I like that one. It's it's just it's two chords. It's another one of those ones that's like it's it's um too simple mm. but the way that it's the way that it's played you recognize it immediately um and yeah i think i think most most people would hear that and they just want to sing along the, yeah the, the, the verse you know so everyone knows it um yeah so i chose that one because it's just a nice open chord yeah um intro yeah song obviously called jack and diane and so what's yes. the next what's the next one mate um, yeah, so I mean, like, you know, in the eighties, there was, um, there's plenty of rock bands you, you, I could have chosen. Um, and so I do, I, you know, I, I should probably mention a couple like, you know, Guns N' Roses and, um, Metallica and ACDC, of course. Mm. Um, but you know, I haven't gone with one of those. I've, I've gone with, um, with, with something else that I'm going to go, um, simple again. So this is this, this similar chord to the other one. It's got three chords. Uh, open chords. Um, yeah, tell me if you recognise it. I'll play it now.
I'm sure all the listeners right now are just wanting to say, cause I'm free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 No, that's yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully they got that one. That was Tom Petty free falling, obviously. Um, and yeah, no, definitely a good tune. That one. Um, that's the, yeah, that was, that was my, that's my dad's favorite one. The mm. favorite song free falling loves that one. Bit of Tom Petty. So I heard that one quite a few times um as i was growing up which was good and uh yeah no just just a, just another one of those ones three chords very very simple um but just something about the way that it's played that makes it uh, instantly recognizable yeah yes yeah, so that's a good one hey so listeners let us know what you think on the facebook page are you happy with trance choices would you have preferred maybe a thunderstruck from acdc yeah. in terms of a song intro he's probably gonna he's <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, i'm not even gonna try it <laughs> let let us know what you'll think what you think are some of the greatest song intros of the 1980s chuck it on the facebook page last i love my kids butt segment for season one i love my kids butt Why do they put their dirty washing in their washing basket inside out? Why is every sock, every pair of undies, every t-shirt, every pair of shorts, every jumper inside out? Is it pure laziness? Is it just not being aware? Because Along the line of washing those clothes, putting them on the line, taking them off the line, and then putting them back clean in the kids' rooms, someone has to put the clothes the right way. And invariably, it's my wife or it's myself. And so my kids, I'm trying to teach them when they put their clothes in the washing basket, put them in the right side up. I love my kids, but they are doing my head in with their dirty washing, being inside out. Another Rob's Rant segment for this week. <laughs> oh, shoes. <laughs> G'day, Rob. Hello, Pastor Ben. Mate, you, you sound nice, but you're not happy. And this is a follow-on from last week's segment with this whole COVID going, you know, going a bit bit too far. You are not happy. You want to rant at the ICC. What is going on? Well, Pastor Ben, you love your cricket, don't you? Absolutely. You love your love test it. match cricket. We all love our test match cricket. Original and best. The true mm. cricket lovers. Yeah, yeah. The ICC, International Cricket Council, mm-hmm. they've come out with a beauty, Pastor Ben. Tell us. No saliva on your cricket ball. What? Get real. So you know what that means, Pastor Ben? What? If you're a bowler, you're going to not only play on flat tracks, you won't get to move the ball both ways. How are you going to take a wicket, Pastor Ben? It's stacked in the back. ICC! Wake up to yourselves. 
International Crack Good night, Council, Pastor I say. I love you. Love you, brother. Bye. Well, season one of Virtual Man Cave podcast is finished. 12 episodes of the highest quality. I hope you've enjoyed the ride. Thank you again so much for listening, for joining with the Virtual Man Cave community on the Facebook page. We're going to have a break, but we will be back for season two. And I can't wait to connect with you then. And so stay safe. <laughs>